1: Right now get 15% off your first order at burrow.com/acast. That's 15% off at burrow.com/acast. Every year one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up.
2: Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly and in case you're wondering Kevin De Bruyne is still good at football first appearance since August and he strolls onto the pitch and plays two perfect passes one into the net and one to Oscar Bob who made it all look ridiculously easy in injury time and perhaps this is quote where the title was won elsewhere Spurs come back from behind twice to get a point at Old Trafford a lot of the ball but not quite enough end product while United showed a bit of something at least and could have snatched it late on. Chelsea get their third win in a row. There's some VAR controversy for Vincent Kompany to stew over, while Villa can only draw Everton. There's some more FFP worries for Everton and Forest. fan protests at Reading. Troy Deeney not exactly putting his arm around the shoulder. Match-specific NFTs and eating straight from the Salt Bay knife. All that plus your questions, and that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. Uh, Mark says, good to see producer Joel giving the youngsters a fair run in the team. I mean, if this is the youngest squad we can put out, we're in real trouble, aren't we? <laughs> Nader Manoa, welcome. Hello, sir. Nouradeen Chowdhury, hello. Hello. And Paul McInnes, hi.
3: Hi, Hiya.
2: Um, Owen says, can anyone think of a more, and that's what they've been missing, goal and assist than Kevin De Bruyne's on Saturday? Um, Paul says, I was hoping Kevin De Bruyne's hair would be the opposite to Samson's, but unfortunately not. Um, every... Every goal in this game was brilliant. On match of the day, I think it was Michael Richards, Glenn Murray and Gary Lineker all voted for Bernardo Silver's as the best. But, Nadam, I think De Bruyne's is the best. Mm. And I will tell you why I think this. Because I think almost no footballers would even consider doing what De Bruyne did and placing the ball where he placed it Mm. and just passing it in from there. Whereas I think a lot of players would have attempted... The Bernardo, I think I've attempted a Bernardo silver one, and like with a bit of luck, you can connect. But the Kevin De Bruyne one, I I don't think if you're in that position, Naiden, that you would even think about.
0: No, if I if I was in that position, you see how the away fans are really high up, like at the highest possible yeah. point in Newcastle. <laughs> I think I try and kick the ball up there to waste some time. know yeah, there's no way I'm doing that. What De Bruyne did, and I'm with you. I think the Bernardo silver one is obviously a great. Finish the other two, great and whatever, but. Even in an interview where De Bruyne's talking about the goal, he's talking about how he's reading the defender. The defender's trying to make himself big. And the reason he's trying to do that means I'm going to try and go through his legs. When I go through his legs, I'm not going to do it with like my laces. I'm going to use the side of my foot because it needs to be precision. These are a whole load of things I've never thought about before in the however many years I've kicked a ball towards a goal. So that's easily the best one for me and the other ones are nice goals but the de bruyne one feels a lot more unique so i'm with you mr Hostman.
2: thanks thanks very much um what a terrible superhero mr Hostman would be um (laughs) noz noz and then the next question is which pass is better the pass from de bruyne that, that he scores with or the one to oscar bob which feels it feels like it's so inch perfect like we say inch perfect a lot but if that's over hit. It goes out of play if it's slightly less on it, then Tribouille gets it.
4: Oh, completely. I think I, I think you're completely right. I think I think that Oscar Bob pass um, was amazing. It's it's it, and it's a pass that that is is tried so often in 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 football, and especially that time of the game where you kind of want to just get it over that last defender um, diagonally, and uh, it needed to be perfect, and it was. And again, like the thing about De Bruyne is is uh, everything just looks. Dead, effortless, and and aesthetically beautiful. So it's how casual it looks. I think that's again with his finish. It's always annoying when your goal when your team concedes a goal where it just rolls. It feels like a pass. Um and uh, and yeah and, and and again the the pass for Oscar Bob. It's the it's the time of the game and and just the composure to do it. Then it was it was uh, annoyingly good. And and the other thing about De
3: Bruyne and Paul is
4: it is effortless, but also he doesn't really look like a footballer.
2: At the same time, if that makes sense.
3: Yeah, I, well, it's, it, the, the haircut does contribute to that, doesn't it? I mean, it makes him look like yeah, and the way he dresses outside of, outside of playing, he looks like somebody's working in the creative industries, perhaps designing a, a set drop backdrop for a new West End musical or something. But like, you know, he, I, I actually thought watching him play on Saturday, I thought he looked he looked like sorry to apply my amateur football experience to this, but he looked like somebody being away from injury and was just coming back for a game. He looked desperate to play. And, you know, the way after the first goal as well, and he was kind of jomming everybody up. Um, it, you know, I think he's clearly missed missed that time. It's a long time to be, out, to be out of the team, particularly, you know, when you went out of the Champions League final as well. I'm sure there's sort of a feeling that he's got unfinished business. So it was very good. But I just want to say, um, Oscar Bob's, touch was just as good as that pass oh, I mean if you're putting yeah. that if you're putting that on an inch to take that and then to have the the you know let's Nedham's running through the things that have to go through your head to have the wherewithal to think now I need to do something to beat the keeper then to be able to pull that off with those tiny little touches and pass it in a great goal fantastic goal I, um the best one for me yeah
2: and and I suppose actually sort of within the um I, um I know you have your city bias Nathan, but within the sort of me. It's not it's not romantic Man City winning everything, right? Like they win everything, it's fine, but within that, the story of this guy, this 20-year-old scoring his first goal and to be yeah, and to be so good, like it takes three touches, which is so brilliant. Like what just what a moment for him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this I think this was his seventh Premier League appearance as well, so he is basically brand new within this, even though he's, you know, he's played for Norway and stuff and he scored for them, I think in the last international break. This is one of City's academy players getting a chance to play in the first team, getting a chance to play at St. James's Park. I think he maybe played there in the League Cup, but to face it in the league for the first time, to face a Newcastle side who, for as much as they've had their up and down ups and downs, they've been very good at St. James's Park and you're coming on to try and make a difference and to score the winner, like in that place. I'm sure it's a goal, obviously, because it's his first to remember for a very, very long time. But what a goal as well, to be able to capitalise on the ball from De Bruyne, to make the run knowing the ball could arrive And you are beating Kieran Trippi, who's been one of England's best right-backs over the last 10, 15 years, or however long it's been. So credit to him. Obviously, not everyone loves the story as such, but to see young people getting a chance in the Premier League and scoring goals like that, it does inspire that next lot. And I'm sure City's academy will be absolutely delighted with
3: that. Yeah, I just wanted to say something, because I thought in a key passage of this game, City struggled. You know, when they went 2-1 down until De Bruyne came on, I think they looked a little bit lost. And I think the, the way that Newcastle kind of was shrinking the pitch was causing them problems. And I I just think it's just interesting that when you've got Oscar Bob coming through at the very beginning of career, playing with no fear, executing perfectly, Kevin De Bruyne coming towards the end of his career, coming off the bench, making a difference, executing perfectly. then in the middle of the game, you've got Foden and Alvarez, who are just coming in, you know, the the younger years of their sort of prime years. And they were the guys who I kind of think the City were looking to decide that match for them, to make the difference. And they couldn't quite do it in that middle period of the game, and I thought that was something that was interesting about it. Uh, And I think it will be interesting to see now players are coming back from injury who gets in that first eleven now.
2: Eddie Howe's lost four in a row now. Um, I mean, it did feel like the team were playing for him in this game, Um, and we sort of speculated on how much pressure he's under or whether he's sort of getting, you know, he's sort of getting off scot free at the moment. What do you think?
4: Well, it's an interesting one because because you have these situations sometimes where. The um, sort of critical mass of people who are sort of starting to question the manager or question his future um, come from outside the fan base. Um, And you almost get a situation where non-Newcastle fans are are perplexed and almost annoyed that Newcastle fans aren't turning on him. Um, I think uh, most Newcastle fans, or vast majority of Newcastle fans, um, Realise the job he's done, and it's and it, again it's that thing of of um, momentum or, or the order of of your success. So if he'd had this season last season and last season this season, it would have showed progression. Yeah. But it's that thing of of almost being too successful in, in, in last season. So if, if if essentially like if they'd missed out on Champions League football in in a funny way, that would have made him more secure this season. But it's it's one of those it's one of those performances and one of those games where. That should give them confidence and it might help them kick on just because it felt like there was a bit of a change. And, and and again, like I know all teams have got loads of injuries at the moment, but uh Newcastle have got loads and and they played really, really well. And uh there was like one or two players that you just think they're, they're class. So uh and and Isak and um Bruno uh, obviously being the two standouts. So I I mean they could use it just to kick on now. Just going back to uh De Bruyne's here, because I think it's something that we shouldn't skirt over. I think I think that deserves a lot of credit as well because how often as an adult do you make such a radical change to your hair like it it doesn't happen often it's it's a big thing to do yeah because you know you know you're going to get you know you're going to get ridicule. and and also with, with with the choices made it's like a strange retro like Hugh Grant so uh it's quite daring in a lot of ways and um and yeah what what I'd actually what I'd actually love is do, do you know City have got this thing where they love to claim Manchester. And we're even with the kits, it's like every kit has got a sort of reference to Manchester. Oh, this is the Mosaic kit. This is like the Hacienda kit. I reckon there's a there's a there's potential here that that um what happens with with De Bruyne's hair is is he goes through the nineties of Manchester haircut. So at the moment he's got like maybe a Russell Bears more early nineties. Maybe the next one is like right. Tim Burgess more and then it's like Liam Gallagher. You could you could bring it. You could bring it. Mick Hucknall. Oh, Mick Hucknall. I mean, it's the right. It's, 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 it's the right shade and everything. Uh, I just think. I, I just think there's opportunities there.
3: Clint Boone. I don't know Clint Boone excuse me in Spiral Carpets mate he had his, he had his, he had a ah. hair down to about there sort of like Oh that's good Hey doggy style bob oh,
2: I'll get I'll get yelled at for not knowing the name of the lead singer of in Spiral Carpets um Nadum, uh, back to Newcastle do you have any other any strong thoughts on on their
0: plight Well to be honest I think A lot of stuff's been mentioned already about how like, it's a lot of external people, probably myself included, sort of asking, like, is everyone okay with this? But before that game against City, I think they had the third best home record, which makes you feel like, you know, it's going to be 50,000, 60,000 people every other week going to be feeling happy about their team as such. But if that starts to turn and then that marries up with the fact they've got the second worst away record in the Premier League, only worse by Sheffield United on two points and Newcastle on five, then all of a sudden you've got that sort of traveling fan base that's going everywhere and watching their team get nothing. And I understand the injury part of things, but again, everyone's got injuries. And maybe, maybe my disappointment with them has been at times a style of play as such, because I understand that they don't necessarily have the players that Howe wants to bring on off the bench. But at times I've seen them have 20, 30% possession, and that's for a team that's you know was playing Champions League at the start of the season. doesn't feel quite right to me, but... Again, it'll be the fans that will speak up because as we know in the North when they're not happy, they certainly make sure that they're heard. To Old Trafford
2: then, Man United 2, Spurs 2. Uh, no, so was this a brilliant game or not? I thought it was sort of weirdly uninteresting and predictable in that the whole game was just Pedro Porro taking corners, as far as I could tell. And Spurs controlled it, but weren't incisive enough. And Man United showed a bit, but were still not. You didn't really know what they were trying to do.
4: Yeah, I mean it was it was one of those games where if you're a Spurs fan, you're just thinking, like, get it, get it to the line and, and like get a corner because you've got a really good chance of scoring. Um Yeah, I mean it's the same old problem with 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 United at the moment in that um there's no style of play. Um it's that thing of um each game is just an objective in itself. Like, let's just get through this game, let's just find a way to win this game or get a result. And there's no pattern because I think often we we think of or oh, oh, football fans are portrayed as being spoiled and they only want success. I don't necessarily think that's true. I think what football fans uh, feed off is some kind of hope and some kind of um, trajectory. So so if they can see something developing, even if you lose a game, if they can see what's happening and they can see like a style of play that's that's being um, uh, nurtured, then they'll forgive they'll they'll forgive all sorts. They'll forgive bad results and. And, and and obviously Spurs fans are are, are, are very forgiving of cogley because they can see what he's trying to do at, at United. Um, the concerning thing, the con- the concerning thing over the weekend wasn't the result because it's there's no shame in in, in drawing with this Spurs side, um, and, and and it was a good result in the circumstances. And United did show a bit of fight. The bigger concern is what is this team? What is it trying to do? Why is it always reactive to the other team? Um, why has it not got the self-confidence to play? Um, it, you've got this strange thing where near the beginning when Ten Hag came in and his he's, Ajax team played this really attractive, structured style of play, uh, possession-based, and he came in and said, United will not play that. And the reasoning was that they've not got the same kind of players and it's a different um, culture. So then, th- then the immediate question becomes, why don't you create that structure, why don't you every single time you've got a transfer window, buy players that will be able to play in that way and instead what he's done is it's all patch up work and the team looks like a patched up team. There's there's never any there's never any pattern. There's never any signs of hope. It's just get through the game, and and and, and I think that is that is the biggest concern. It's it, it's a team of it's a team of footballers that are clear, clearly good footballers because they do it at international level. They've done it at previous teams, and now are doing it uh, a little bit um, for teams on 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 loan. But as a team, as they are currently at United, they look like bad footballers. They look like they've got bad technique, which which is concerning. I mean, I'd be interested, um, what you think, Nedum, as a as as, a, as an ex-footballer, like, can you see what United are trying to do and, and what the players have been told to do?
0: So I was speaking with Mark Ogden about this yesterday, and he made a good point that United basically are a team that just split into thirds. Like, there's the defensive side of things. You've got the midfield who sort of work at times just independently of the other segments then you've got the forward line you don't see like a table
2: football team they're a football team aren't they they're (laughs) they're just pretty much in that bit but there's no
0: link that's the line yeah that's the that's the name of the pod yeah we figured it out but um i think whereas you look at a team like spurs at this moment in time and you think of all the injuries they've had people are away international duty and so on but you kind of see like the play goes here then it goes there then it goes there then it goes there and even though it might fall that final hurdle they've got a like a three-layered process to get the ball there Whereas if United, like, Anana has the ball at the back, the centre-backs might split, but then there's not a really obvious split that then happens in midfield, which then leads to attack. So they don't really have long periods of, like, good possession against good sides because there's no real structure behind it, in my mind. But they they must be working on it. And I think at times, you know, for the Spurs line, for the Villa line, they do try and test it, and their forward line will sort of define them as such. But, yeah, you can see that, I think... To put it into perspective, if the Spurs team that went out to play against United yesterday was their last season with their previous manager, we'd look at it and say, wow, that team is so, so bad. They're probably going to really struggle. But instead, they went to Old Trafford and they controlled large parts of the game themselves and we'll feel disappointed that they didn't get anything from it with the n- amount of players that they've got missing.
3: It's interesting the way you describe the game, Max, because I can see it when you've described it like that. But I was really enjoying watching it. and I, I haven't seen so much of Spurs, but I was just... I was loving the way they were building those triangles, loving the way that people were kind of thinking, well, how's the way I'm going to bend the ball around the man who's close to me so I can complete that triangle? And everybody on the team was willing to do that. And then the, the kind of the ingenuity they had sometimes to pick the, find the space to just punch through that midfield with one pass, the number of times that they opened up into that final third it was just like, yeah, there's some great technical ability here. You're, you're thinking, watching that game. And you remember that these are second, third string players who never really kind of would have seen the pitch under Conte. So it's like, it, it, it's, yeah, yeah. I think he can get, you know, he, he is, he's obviously good at kind of getting stuff out of these players and they want to play for him right now. But I think he's just sold them a message that they can believe in. And I'm not sure what that message is that Ten Hag's given to his squad.
2: Do you think it's harder? made him to be brave in a Manchester United shirt because losing is a bigger deal as a Man United player than it is a Spurs player. But but because of that, you lose more.
0: That's <laughs> uh, a it's a very good question you've asked me there. And to be honest, like I understand the idea of, oh, this is Man United and so on and so forth. But then you'd like to think that they wouldn't necessarily be recruiting people who'd be scared of playing at Old Trafford. You know, you've got some players in the team who've yeah. been there for... For a while, players who are international players who've played at European Championships, World Championships, whichever confederation they're in. And, you know, like even the likes of like Casemiro, he's got more Champions League titles than say most teams have got league titles. But I don't know, I don't really buy into that. Obviously, when you do go there, there's probably more scrutiny from a negative perspective at Man United than any other club in the world as I see it. Because you look at Real's Barca and so on, they've had more success recently. So it's not all doom and gloom. yeah it seems like some people they really do struggle they struggle at times with confidence but this kind of goes to the question i was asking before if you had a manager who gave you a style of play which you believed in all of a sudden you can do something on the field in unison and look a lot better because i see united every week and i see the starting 11 and i think that they can do better than they end up doing and at times you see flashes but then you don't see it over a long period of time but Maybe as Ten Hag's been trying to say, when people come back in, maybe they'll be great. Maybe who knows? But that top four being eight points behind it right now, I don't personally see it. But yeah, I don't think the obviously I can't. This seems so stupid me saying this from a city perspective. But yes, there is scrutiny for players who play for United, but the players are there for a reason and they should be able to do mm. better and if they're not doing better the question is why is it down to them or is it down to the environment that they're in and ultimately you'll never know because no one will say
2: It's an interesting point that Ten Hag made you know when we get all our players back because if you think about the players that Tottenham are missing you think well actually you know Son is at the of Cup Madison I mean we had a question from Simon going I think if Spurs had a fully fit team there'd be a good few points clear at the top am I de- a delusional dreamer and you do wonder Spe- and yeah, you're probably right but if madison had been fit this whole time Noz I just think it would have been a diff it could be so different he was playing so brilliantly
4: that's exactly i think uh, i think. Sp- i mean it's difficult because because sometimes it's marginal games with players coming back but uh, the players that they've got missing and how important they were they'd absolutely they'd absolutely be better off um, of the league and 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 considering it's so early in in post uh, tenor, tenor that's that's amazing and, and and the fact he's playing this day in football and 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 it's interesting that like um the point that Paul made about sort of the way that they uh, probe and and even like have the bravery on the ball and, and and that thing about taking risks. The thing is, the United team take risks as well, but it's blind risks. The amount of blind balls that this United team um, sort of play and 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 it's it's around the corner and it's into space and it's just assuming or hoping that somebody will be there. It's not controlled and there's no order, whereas Spurs do show order. And 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 this whole thing about Ten Hag talking about the injuries. It's funny how the I mean, it's true, but it's funny how the tune changes. When things are going well, managers in general are quite bullish and sort of say, I'm not going to use injuries as an excuse. But then as soon as they're going badly, they do. But I think Spurs are kind of the flip side of United at the moment where you look at Spurs and you kind of think, because they're managed so well, because they know exactly what they're doing, players can be out injured or suspended or whatever. And the players that come in still perform well like they did on the weekend because they know exactly what they're doing and that absence of players does not make the difference it should but at united there's all this talk about casemiro's coming back and you don't feel as if that's going to improve things cuz cuz united were poor when those team, those players were in the team before they were out so <laughs> yeah. so so it's it's kind of there's not even an optim- optimism there way right? cuz you kind of think well they kind of play the same kind of clunky disorganized dislocated way when those players w- were in the team so I, I think it's it's hard to um Move away from the thought, and again, like like it's not as it's not as if I'm saying uh, United should get rid of, get rid of Ten Hag at this stage. But it, it's that thing of of it comes down to the manager, it comes down to the players knowing what they should be doing, and and it's not a case of Spurs have 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 just got these really receptive, receptive, intelligent players, and 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 United haven't. It's it's about how they're organised.
0: I think Nuz is right as well because he mentions those players for United who had to come back in, and on paper. Those are like big names as such. Talking about Casemiro's, you know, you're looking at, say, short left back, who I'm sure for as much as people don't like short, they'd likely prefer him to wan at left back. But from the Spurs side of things, the players who are missing for them are ones who we've seen have really good seasons to this point when you're looking at Saar, looking at Basuma, looking at Madison, looking at Son. So you can see that their ceiling will be up. But to go back to the original question, Spurs being clear at the top if you had all the older players. Well, surely every team up near the top could say exactly the same thing (laughs) you know what I mean but yeah yeah, you know this is is, I guess this is how it goes do you know what I'm
2: so guilty you know we all say fans expectations change so quickly and Paul you're absolutely right to watch that Spurs game like that because I've watched a lot of Spurs I'm now used to this is how Spurs play whereas if a year ago I'd watch Spurs you'd tell me in, in a year Spurs will be dominating the ball playing little triangles I'd have I'd have basically fainted, especially with, you know, the manager that we had. So I am as guilty as all other football fans. Um quickly on on Timo Werner, Rob says, was that shot by Timo Werner in the twenty first minute? Just him exorcising the banter out of himself for the rest of the season. Um I'm convinced he's gonna score buckets as I was at Chelsea Paul. What did you make of this uh performance?
3: Assist assist on debut, right? That's what that's mm-hmm. his that's his Yeah, I mean I, I think that's a good start. Um especially in a game like that. I, did, I you know, again, I think the there's, you talk about there's so much stuff we don't know about all of football and I think pressure and expectations is a, is a big part of that and and him coming in here the expectations are going to be different from the, when the time he played at Chelsea you know he was supposed to be the man who led the line now he's emergency cover he's not even going to be playing centrally you know provided Richarlison stays fit so I, I think the upside's quite big on this deal and I thought he played well because I thought he looked intelligent mobile and knitted in with the rest of the team. Yeah, I mean that f- that finish wasn't great. I think he had another effort as well that wasn't superlative. But, you know, if you're not buying him for that or getting him into the team for that, which I'd imagine they're not, then yeah, I I think he looks like he could he could he could slot right in and do a job.
2: Finally for part one, uh, Barca Jim saying, uh, "Can uh, Noz really call himself a true United fan?" As I know for a fact, he doesn't possess any game specific NFTs. This is in relation, Noz, to Manchester United tweeting Old Trafford, we're back. Make sure you're prepared for our first home game of 2024 the ultimate matchday day checklist, match day program, game specific NFTs, buy match day shirt, make United predictions. Um, it is the match day es- essentials, isn't it, Noz? I won't leave home without my Cambridge United specific NFTs. <laughs> I believe the tweet was deleted. Not the most embarrassing thing. We'll get onto Chelsea's publicity stunt in a bit, but still, you just, I mean what do you do
4: Jim's right it's, it, it, the most the most embarrassing thing is where you go to a game and you've got you, you sort of pack your NFT but it's not it's not the game specific one <laughs> it's like it's, 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 the, it's, the, it's, it's the last game's NFT that you've got and then and then and then you've got you've got this embarrassing thing where you've got like people like you've, you've got like um, people selling half and half NFTs uh, outside the outside the map. like I, I just I, I just think it's, it's a mess of my field but yeah I, 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 never, I never leave home without mine <laughs>
2: All right, that'll do for
1: part one. Part two, uh, we'll begin at Stamford Bridge. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at borough.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at borough.com slash ACAST.
3: Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.
2: Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. So three wins on the spin for Chelsea. They beat Fulham uh, 1-0. I mean, the staggering thing for me about this game was that Fulham didn't equalise. I was just sitting there waiting <laughs> for them to score and actually as the game went on the later it got I wasn't like well even when there was like there's a minute more of injury time had been played I was like this is when they're going to score. It wasn't like at any time I thought Chelsea would win until probably about five minutes after full time.
0: So is this where we give like Chelsea a bit of credit for finding a way? Is this a spin? Can we do, can can, we do positive can, spins You can do out? whatever you
2: like. You could, you could do whatever could we, you like. Can we
0: spin it and say Fulham like they're good? But to a point, like, which which narrative should we roll with, do you reckon? Which, one, which one's more progressive? Do you get more Chelsea fans or Fulham fans in here? Let me make a decision yeah. now.
2: You, you can speak, you have to speak your truth, Nadem.
0: Well, this to be fair. Your, as this a, is your life
2: and your as journey. A,
0: as a former Q, QPR player, it should have been a draw. But anyway, okay. um, it's a shame for Fulham because I saw them in midweek as well um, against Liverpool and there were parts where they looked really good, but they came away with nothing because they were getting, they got worse as the game progressed and obviously Liverpool got better. And then in this game here, I fancied them to get something as well. But we're in a position where Chelsea, you know, sometimes they go through good spells, they're playing well, but then they'll always offer opportunities to the opposition. And it seems like for now, they're kind of getting away with it in the league. I think that's three wins in a row and that's them climbing the table. That's them, what is it? Three points behind six. The thing that you never thought we'd see when we're talking about Chelsea in 2023-24. They're doing it somehow. And, you know, that will be an important win for them. Yeah,
2: but they're getting away with it in ninth. I mean, that isn't
0: where Chelsea should be getting away with it, it. You, well, it's in ninth for now. That's the point, Max. It's ninth yeah, for now. Actually. You know, they, they are climbing the table. And whether it's through gorgeous football or whether it's people criticizing them for not having a style of play, wasting money, people being injured all the time, blah, blah, blah. Like the winning sort of like feeling does exist. And I think even if you walk off a field and feel like you've gotten away with it, you still have a nicer training week. And in fairness, they've got, the, they've got the break now as well, haven't they? They're going somewhere warm with another three points in their back pocket and they're looking up the table thinking, I wonder if we can catch them. So it's not a perfect game, not a perfect performance, but it's a win nonetheless. And given the fact that, say, for the last 18 months, basically, we've seen them at times play well and lose, I think Pochettino will just take it, especially as a reaction to, you know, going up to the Northeast to play Middlesbrough just to let Middlesbrough take a 1-0 lead. So, yeah, I, I'm i not going to be too down on Chelsea as such, but they obviously still have some more work to do.
2: I think you're right. Um, what, Cole Palmer is the sort of story for Chelsea at the moment, Paul. Do you... It's probably too far to suggest he's carrying them, but he's such a lovely footballer, isn't he?
3: Yeah, I mean he's he's beautiful to watch, just because he does the unexpected. You know, um, he is he's brave, he's uh, technically gifted, and he's willing to do things on the pitch that excite the crowd. I think primarily, but also at this moment in time, are, 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 are creating creating big chances or at least opening up the pitch to give the opportunity to create chances. I I think if you read too much social media, you can definitely get a counter narrative on, on Palmer, which is that off the ball, there's not so much of a contribution at this point in time. And that, that, you know, they gave up, what was it? 14 shots um, against, against Fulham. That is obviously an issue um, for a a broad issue for the, for the team that they're, 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 They they give up too many uh, attacking opportunities to their opponents. And I I thought what was quite interesting in terms of, if we talk about narratives, is that actually Conor Gallagher is a very technically uh, gifted footballer um, who can do a lot of things on the ball that other people can't. But because he is uh, somebody who's determined to make it at Chelsea and has sort of had to reinvent himself as a shuttler, somebody who gets in there and just disrupts, and does all the hard yards in order just to justify placing the team, which to my mind, he could have on his own technical abilities anyway. Um, I, I thought it was his his performance um, against Fulham was perhaps the key one for me, because he was the one who was actually doing the stuff off the ball. Um, he was involved in the, in the better passing movements. He also had that incredible outside of the foot. Is that a trivella, that strike when you hit it? like that, and it came off the post. I think that's
0: a Travella. Not necessarily on this podcast, but I think the young people call it Trevella, yeah. Uh, sort of a, a charisma,
2: a charisma effort, yeah. It was really nice. Do you think, do you think, no, I was going to say no, do you think he's running around more than Caicedo and Enzo and looking behind him going, what the, you cost what, 200 million quid or 180 million quid, what are you doing?
4: Yeah, it is but But I mean, madder than that is the fact that there's been talk about him perhaps leaving and and maybe going to Spurs, and you kind of think, like, what? In, who in the right mind would think that that's a good idea? Just because like he he is he's so integral to this team, and 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 he's the kind of player who who sets an example for for, for those bigger stars. Um, uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think he did really well, and I think uh, again, like, along with uh, like uh, I hate to be uh, another plaudit for Palmer, but. Um, he just looks class he he looks absolute class and and those two together are, are a big reason why chelsea look like they are at least playing slightly better than they were i think i think the worst thing for me about palmer is is along with um Boden, it it just shows how how good uh the players um coming through city are in terms of that that almost what what would what used to be felt, um, thought of as like um uh, the technique that Continental players had. So, like, both of them in different ways feel very, very Continental. And, like, like Cole Palmer almost feels like Kakai in the way he moves and plays. And the fact that he's from, I think, Withenshaw and uh, Foden's from Stockport, um, it's kind of, it, there's almost like a begrudging uh, admiration that uh, these local lads are being coached uh, to, to play in a way that, we used to rave about foreign players like in the 90s.
2: That's actually that Kaka comparison is really interesting. He I, I, does move a bit like that, doesn't he? A, a good touch for a big man. I mean, but that, I mean, that's, that should be reserved for target men and not for Kaka, really, shouldn't it? But anyway, um, Christopher Nkuku wasn't on the pitch. Poch says, we're disappointed and a little bit worried because we want him involved again as soon as possible. It's complicated with Christopher. It's now between eight and 10 days since he could train. I mean, it sort of feels like he's saying... He thinks he should be training. I mean, maybe lost in translation. Uh, I'm not sure. There were seven people dressed as spies in the press box, I think, or sort of certainly near the dugouts, uh, who stood up during the first half to read a book. Later on were brushing their teeth. Pochettino says uh, they were promoting the upcoming film Argyle, made by Matthew Vaughan, who is a Chelsea fan. Pochettino said, for the fans, I think it's nice to see the promotion of the film. and I think it looks very, very good. They've invited me for the premiere. Uh, Lots of outlets claim that Todd Bowley was somehow involved um in a production company associated with the film but apparently that is not true but still paul if you're a chelsea fan you just don't want this sort of nonsense I mean, obviously it doesn't matter but like maybe if you're doing really well but even then i don't know or should i just be like look it's all entertainment some people like film some people like football some people like both most people like both i imagine
3: I've, i wonder whether there's a little twist on it that makes it even worse so it's it's not just a kind of 360-degree yeah. Yeah. surround entertainment experience, but it's also referencing that fan who brushed his teeth in 2009. Yeah. Is that that? So it's like, hey, guys, we're yeah. diving into Chelsea legend here for you guys. We know you're going to love it and uh, yeah. get your get I your know, specific was, NFT after terrible. the match.
2: Um, Burnley won, Luton won. A total heartbreak for your good friend, your best friend, Vincent Company. Uh, big story is the end of the game where... Um, It was Adebayo, wasn't it, who thrust his backside towards James Trafford. And company said, first, I expect the referee to see it. It was that obvious. None of the Luton players have celebrated. Nobody. The first look from the striker, which is normal, nothing against him. He's doing his job. But the first look of the striker is towards Trafford. After this, it's towards the referee to see if he got away with it. Luckily, we've got VAR. We think, OK, that's going to sort it. Then it rolls, it rolls, it rolls. Lack of decision. And that's it. Burnley are 1-1. It's a foul, isn't it, Nadim? I mean, I was certain it was, and expecting a full Howard Webb, you know, giant apology letter until some people started saying it isn't a foul, and now I'm I'm lacking the conviction to be certain it's a foul.
0: So, um, have you guys ever had David James on here? We have not. David James would be perfect for this. Okay. Like he's he suits this to the ground, and I'm I'm I speak to David quite a lot through one of the groups that I'm in, and he's a big. Like laws of the game, rules freak type person, right. always wants to explain everything, throw loads of stats at it. And he, the former goalkeeper, England goalkeeper we should add, said it was not a foul. Right. And he and he said the reason it's not a foul is because the foul comes when a goalkeeper is attempting to catch the ball and then they are fouled. Right. Whereas he said with the Trafford incident, he's blocked and then he throws his arms in the air to attempt to catch it. So as a consequence, he said that isn't a foul. And in the group that we're in, basically everyone was like biting his head off. But I thought, well, if a member of the goalkeepers' union, although you know his membership card is a bit is a bit dusty now because he's old, so, is um, saying that, then that was felt like a learning yeah okay point for me. So yeah, from what I'm hearing, that isn't a foul. But then we then asked the question, well, why have so many decisions been given in the past? And I think it's that nuance that David was trying to say. Whereby if a goalkeeper's coming to claim it and their arms are in the air, for example, and then they get nudged, then I think that gets given as a free kick. But if not, then I guess it's just a case of the goalkeeper keeper being an open play. But I think as as um, Vincent Company said, it was a bit awkward when everyone's looking at the ref like, okay, he's gonna he's gonna disallow this. Then you go to video, okay, they're gonna disallow it. But then I suppose if this is it now, maybe this is the precedent for us to either understand or for them to sort of make these sort of decisions more often going forward. I can't speak for the
2: listeners, but all I want to know is who else is in this group, Nadem. that's the only, that's...
0: Ah, uh, you just said it's a wild group in there. It's a uh, wild group it, in there. Talk about XG and all sorts in the middle of the night. Is it all ex-footballers? Um, mostly ex-footballers, yes. Right, mostly, okay. if an older generation, okay. yes. Mostly.
2: Older generation. Can we all have
0: a get? Jay Bothroyd. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, oh,
2: really not right, no, not Jay both right now, not Jay both Michael no. Ricketts, it's Michael Ricketts No, no, this to be fair, this no.
0: one is more specific to people who've played for Man City That's what I'd say, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah Terry
4: Feeling. Terry Phelan's yeah.
0: not made this one, no, not made this group <laughs> Stephen Ireland Stephen Ireland's not in this one, no, he does not like Uwe group Uwe Rosler,
2: is Uwe Rosler in
0: this? No, but a couple of his teammates <laughs> are in this group chat, yes
2: Okay, wow, okay <laughs> Alan Kernaghan.
0: No, surprisingly, Kernaghan hasn't made this group. No, he has not. He has not.
4: Should we just spend the rest of the, the, rest of the podcast yeah. just shouting out Please, players? Gary <laughs> Flickcroft.
0: Who's the biggest,
2: who's, yeah, who's the biggest gun in this one? Edin Dzeko.
0: The biggest. Um, no, mm. Edin's still kind of playing, so he can't, he couldn't possibly spend oh, he's time chatting to one. us. No, no, okay, not fine, this one. Fine. Listen, I'll, I'll give you fine. the info all in due time. Next time I'm on, I'll tell you all about
2: okay. it. Mm. Okay, well surely if we get, every, t- every time you're on we'll have one guess until we get one player mm-hmm. who's in it, Noz You had your hand raised before I started playing a ridiculous guessing game.
4: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'd just say about David James. Like you're right. Like obviously, it's good to get a perspective from a from a goalkeeper. But like, we've got to remember that he did get murked by by Rio Ferdinand. So that <laughs> you've got to question his his his, his judgment. And, and, and also, I I wonder I wonder whether we should have like in the rules of the game whether we should have a, a whole set of rules about. Ass use like is, <laughs> yeah. is, Great is, question. is 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 he in full control of his ass? Is that a dangerous ass? Is that a reckless ass? I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean,
2: it's the least reckless part of the body. You'd suggest, wow. wouldn't it? It's the sort of softest. Well,
3: wow. <laughs> I <big> to differ.
2: <laughs> I mean, it depends on what circumstances, of course. But in a, foot, in a footballing context, I think of all the parts of the body that you could hit somebody with. I mean, this is a dangerous path to go down, but I think it would cause the
0: least... No, know, no, no. Like I said, have you seen John McGinn play? Like, people actually yeah. say that's his big, That's. Well, I was going to say he's the biggest asset, but that's too obvious now, isn't it? <laughs> this is... But yeah, sorry, Matt, yeah. please take off. No, I it's okay.
2: I, was, I used to... I was playing 5 aside side um, in Sydney with uh, uh, Craig Foster, um, who actually played, former soccerroo and he's very good mates with uh, a guy called Adam Goods. He's, like, the most famous AFL player of all time. He's also a very good footballer. And he had... He would... Thrust his posterior towards you, and it was like, Well, there's no way I can get anywhere near this bottom. He had, he had, obviously, <laughs> most players with a large backside also have, you know, thighs to match, don't they? So, all of that means, yeah, you're absolutely right. so um, anyway, uh, let's uh, let's go to Goodison, Everton nil, Villa nil. Um, what did you make of this one, Paul?
3: Well, I think it's sort of, I think it's, I think it's a good result for Everton, really. Um, if you look at the perspective from the beginning of the season. Um, because they defended very well. They, they looked like they'd got that most challenging aspect of the team. You know, after having three defeats on the bounce, it, there, were, there were questions again about about where Everton were, and I think that sort of reset that. And, uh, you know, Villa a third in the league. That's, that's no bad point for Everton. I think for, for Villa, yeah, and probably should have won as well. I think that Donovan Calvert-Lewin chance was, 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 go, was pretty golden. For Villa, you know, their away form continues to be the, the poor relation of the home form and that's why i think that you know they're not in the title race and and the, and the 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 top 4 battle will be will be a long one i you know no argument that doesn't change the fact that emery's doing amazing things and the, and that the, the team's moved on um and you know but i i, th- I think um that showed a little bit of the limitations of where Villa are right now.
2: Um, Brian says, can we have a moment to acknowledge Seamus Coleman, please? Everton's record appearance holder, consistently one of the best right backs in the Premier League in his prime. All-round good lad. His experience on and off the pitch remains vital to Everton. Presum- presumably not in a WhatsApp group with Seamus Nader, but I, I don't know. But that notwithstanding, uh, from especially for what he cost, um, what an amazing career he has had.
0: Yes. Yeah, so Was it £60,000 transfer fee? That's um, can't even pay for a player per week for that these days, but uh, it's a it's a great sign for them. I remember when he first he first arrived and it's these guys come over from Ireland and say, "Oh, will he be good? Will he be bad?" And then very quickly, you know, he was like a key part of who Everton were. And even though we see Everton these days like being lower down, we all remember them being really good as well. And he was a big part of that. And for him to take that record, like to be at a club for 15 years, is that's amazing. You know, most people if you get five, like that's an incredible stretch, but for him to be there that long, for him to be the number one, for him to go past, you know, a club legend like Tim Howard, who I think was on three, five, four. And best of all, he's not done yet. And even though we don't see the the absolute best of him, it's still good to see him healthy, fit, being out there and representing his team. Cause he does sit, for me, he does signify who Everton are as a football club, because whenever you think, whenever I think about them anyway, I think of him and others playing within that side. It's a huge credit. 355 Premier League games so far for them. For somebody, as I say, who cost next to nothing, amazing achievement. It was a pleasure playing and playing against him. Although he tended to beat me, especially at Goodison, it was a pleasure. And it's good to see old people out there still making an impact. For
2: those of you who liked football before 1992, he is 15th on the list of all-time appearances. If I've added it up properly, Neville Southall, way out, big Nev, greatest goalkeeper of all time, 751 appearances. Uh, Brian Lebone, five, three, four. And Dave Watson five two eight. David Launstein reporting in the Athletic last night, saying Everton and Nottingham Forest are expecting to be referred to an independent commission over breaches of the Premier League's profitability and sustainability regulations. Clubs will learn on Monday, i.e., today, whether they've fallen foul of the league's financial rules under new guidelines introduced to ensure any basic breaches are dealt with in time for punishments to be levied in the same season as a charge is brought. Under the guidelines, both clubs are now at risk of a fine or a points deduction with formal notification of any charges set to come on Monday. Both clubs have prepared a mitigation and are expected to robustly argue their case. We will talk about that in more detail. I'm sure a lot of people listening uh, will say Manchester City have a lot of charges that may not be re- resolved this season. Noz, your hand is raised.
4: Yeah, I, ju- I just wanted to um, quickly go back to the game before we move on. Um, one of the things, I mean, first of all, I, I, was asked, I-, I just love the game because it was so spicier like for for a game that i just thought there's no uh, obvious rivalry rivalry between villa and everton there was loads of little arguments and fights going on in the game which which was great to see but also um i was fascinated by that offside situation where it looked as if villa had decided to use uh, danjuma as some sort of like some 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 sort of meat puppet that they were just going to stick, <laughs> sort of stick on the floor. So, so, so that means that they're on side. And I just wondered whether is is that is that an innovation in shithousery or, or does that go on? Has that been has that happened before, where where somebody's been sort of manipulated physically to to make your team onside? Wasn't Salah pushed offside recently? Was it
2: against Burnley or something? Like mm. he was sort uh, of because he was he was in the keeper's yeah. eye line, but he'd been shoved and so when you're still offside but like you've been fouled I'd yes no it's a it's a a very good question it doesn't seem to arise that much but I do like the idea of defenders just picking up their nearest attacker and hurling them into an offside position but it not being a free or I mean I guess what you could do is you could use your backside because we've established that is not necessarily a foul
0: so if If that was John McGinn he's definitely onside by the way like Dan Juma would just be pressed against the post
2: (laughs) Uh, Anyway, that'll do for for part two. Before we end it, we just wanted to send our best wishes to the friends and family of Ian Perslow, the 71-year-old, lifelong Bolton Wanderers fan who died watching their home game with Cheltenham. Uh, The game was abandoned after he was taken ill. The club said uh, Ian, who uh, lives in Oldham, was at the game supporting the Whites with his son Stuart. The club chaplain remained with family members late in the day. The club will continue to offer the family all the support they can as well as looking to offer support to anyone else impacted by this distressing incident. The thoughts of everyone connected to Bolton Wanderers are with Ian's family and loved one at this incredibly sad time. Ian will be remembered at Wanderers FA Cup third round replay at home to Luton Town on Tuesday night. We'll be back in a second. Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. Uh, Reading's game with Port Vale was abandoned after a number of uh, Reading fans peacefully protested on the pitch against the current ownership. Uh, we'll cover the story in detail. Um, we're speaking to someone from the fan-led group Sell Before We Die, uh, Die DAI with reference to the owner Die Young. Um, we've had lots of questions about it. I just wanted to read this email from Tom, which is quite w- long but worth reading, and we'll get to it in more detail on Thursday. He says, hi, I'm a long-time listener, massive fan of the pod, I just want to make a plea about covering the plight of Reading FC, which this week has accelerated like never before. I first started going when I was six years old. I'm now 30. I've watched the club through its glory years, two promotions to the Premier League, three FA Cup quarterfinals, even a semi-final just eight years ago, where we were just a goalkeeping error away from a first major final in our 125-year history. To many fans listening to the pod, the idea that these modest achievements would qualify as glory years may seem incomprehensible. But for a club of Reading's size, those years still mean everything to the fan base. Now to see all those years of growth count for nothing with the rapid asset stripping of the club, including the best youth players and senior players, and even our youth academy, I believe the only Cat 1 academy below the championship and a source of pride for fans. Being systematically destroyed by an absent owner is gut-wrenching for fans of clubs like Reading, of which Max is one in Cambridge. All we want from football is to celebrate three points on the weekend more often than not and socialise with family and friends. If I lose this football club, I lose quality time with my dad, I lose friends and I lose the quiet games I sometimes spend alone when all I want to do is take a break from my busy working life, hop on the train to Reading from London and forget about everything for 90 minutes. Our owner, if you can call him that, Dai Yong and his number two, Dai Pang, are callously ripping out the heart of this team despite being wealthier than you can ever imagine. I'm writing this on the way to Port Vale at home, where there could be huge fan action. Our story needs highlighting now more than ever by fantastic outlets such as yourselves. I love football and the Premier League too, but mainstream football all pales into comparison to Reading FC and other clubs like us at this point in time. If not the worst part of this ideal is a loss in interest in the wider football game. It feels like Dai Yong isn't just taking this club away from me and my fellow fans, but the entire sport too, for which I will never forgive. As I said, I'd be appreciative if you read this out. The words aren't just relative to me, nor Reading fans, but football fans everywhere. Its high-time action was taken in the wider game to to address football's wider ownership problems. Thanks so much for reading. That's from Tom. Um, uh, Dayong Pang, the club CEO, said, very tough decisions, unfortunately, have had to be made. Um, uh, Pang told fans, Dayong is actively working to secure the sale of the club. Fans refused to leave. They went on the pitch in the 16th minute. Um, Reading's manager, Ruben Sellers, hung around for a long time, and uh, Port Vale fans were very uh, understanding as well. As I said, we'll talk about it on Thursday. Jim says, one for Nadem. If you were playing for Forest Green, how would you react to Troy Deeney's post-match comments at the weekend, assuming you're not a fan of that kind of chat? Have you played with any players who would respond positively to it? Uh, He said, there are, quote, too many babies from top to bottom. First half was boring. I'd rather watch frigging Antiques Roadshow than that. No offence to anyone who likes Antiques Roadshow. Not sure anyone has put the word "frigging" before Antiques Roadshow before, but anyway, that kind of sort of throwing under the bus chat, Nathan your thoughts?
0: Mm, it's um, it, it, it's it's very much being placed under the bus. Bus going forward and backwards, then forwards again. Um, uh, Troy is and has been very outspoken, hasn't he? So it's interesting that now he's having to manage a group of people, and if he believes that this is the best way to. Um, to get the best out of them, then then good luck. But I would say personally, being run over several times by the bus being driven by the manager isn't something that I would enjoy that much. And for Forest Green and other teams down there, so not, not as if they can have total player turnover as well, is it? So, but maybe this is all part of his master plan to get Forest Green up to the Premier League, win the Premier League, and then win the Champions League in the next ten years. Who knows? Yeah,
2: yeah. But if if, if a manager throws a player under the bus in public what's the dressing room reaction to I can't see how a dressing room would react well to that. But, yet, but you know, managers like Jose and Conte have had success.
0: Yeah, but not, not necessarily like this, I mean, in terms of like a, just an attack, because like Troy's relatively new there anyway, isn't he? And yeah. we'll see what Troy thinks, if he'll say stuff like this again going forward. Because one thing that he's probably seen himself firsthand is that if the manager loses the players, the manager will likely lose their job. So now he's in a position where, as manager... Other players still on side with everything that you're saying? And he's saying a lot and it's very entertaining. But I think functionally from a work standpoint, I wouldn't believe that's going to be uh, helping him anytime soon get some results.
2: Yeah, some really weird appointments since Rob Edwards, who was clearly brilliant at Forest Green. You know, Duncan Ferguson was a strange appointment. Troy Dean, you know, Good to get opportunities, but still, you know, a lack of experience seems to be showing. Uh, Luke says, "How much would the panelists have to be paid to be fed meat by Salt Bay?" Ash says, "Is it possible to still give everything for a manager once you've seen them be fed like Arteta has this week?" <laughs> Jonathan, <laughs> would Big Ange be seen dead at Salt Bay's restaurant? Um, uh, Noz, I don't know if you've seen the video of Arteta being fed by Salt Bay and then sort of rubbed
4: slightly on the shoulder. It made me sick. There's something visceral. There's something visceral about. About a man feeding someone like like the real baby bird. It's just it's it. Do you know that thing that footballers like often say is that I'd rather I'd rather sort of uh, I'd rather I'd rather a player go in two footed rather than spit at me or something. Like I would rather yeah. salt bait punch me in the face than feed me in that <laughs> in that weirdly erotic way. It's it's unnecessary. It's bringing the game into disrepute. And uh, and 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 I I reckon questions need to be asked about Arteta to be honest because uh, I just think his position is untenable now. Yeah,
2: I mean, I I it, I, I have a, obviously I'm I'm people would accuse me of being biased, but it feels poor worse than an FFP breach to me.
3: No, no way, man! You've got to think about the community and the role that football plays in the game at large. Oh, hang on a minute! He did get fed by Salt Bay. I don't. I mean, I just don't. I don't get what the attraction is. He looks like a Johnny Depp impersonator. That kind of like meat based. I mean, oh, I just feel like oh, it's like it's like a Roman orgy or something. And I don't know why any kind of like somebody's <laughs> yeah. clearly doing calorie denying on a daily basis would want to go there in the first place. I don't know, but yeah, it's not for me. Thank you very much.
2: I mean, in many ways, I guess Salt Bay is he's sort of like Robin Hood. At least he must have been at the start, Nadim. Like he was. Well, he was stealing from the rich. He's not necessarily giving it to the poor. I guess. <laughs> I'll but, <hear> like, that. <laughs> but like i agree i just can't understand like like credit to him for managing to turn to become presumably incredibly wealthy by by doing something as as paul says it is like a roman orgy yeah it's sort of it's so grotesque
0: yeah it's it's um it's somewhat of a phenomenon i'm just i was just watching the video then and it is hilarious to be honest But like Salt Bay and lots of other places, like it's the place to be, place to be seen. And then the bill comes and everyone realizes it's overpriced. (laughs) But until you do it for the first time, you don't really, I guess you don't really know. But when you're sitting down in the chair and then you see the prices, it's like, well, we can't really get up and deal with this now. And Arteta, like that video is hilarious. Like when the little kid comes over, unless it's Arteta's kid putting the salt on the steak. I think it might be, it? it might be. I don't, I don't know but like listen some things are better done if you're going to do it do it without a camera being there because then at least you can pretend mm. it never happened but like it's out there yeah. and when like to just picture it the next time Arsenal lose should Arsenal lose again this season who's going to be the manager just like sticking a steak in his mouth or something you know this is yeah. it he set himself up it's nightmare fuel but i hope he enjoyed his steak i'm sure it was expensive and i hope he enjoyed his break i mean
4: i mean but 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 the, but the thing is nothing nothing can taste that good nothing you you would not go through any any sort of culinary sort of like uh, magic of, of that bite for someone to do to sort of do that in, in fact i think we've stumbled upon like we're talking about troy Deeney. maybe the punishment for his comments is <laughs> for salt bay to do it but it's got to, because it's forest green. It's got to be a bit a sliver of like Topo, vegan, yeah. like corn dipped in, dipped into his mouth. Uh, and and I, 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 I would I would pay good money to see Troy Deeney and how he react <laughs> to, to any of that nonsense.
0: It's a, basically with with this uh, Arteta thing. If it was good, I'm sure Arsenal fans would be sharing it. But the fact that everyone else is sharing it suggests it's probably like mm. a bit of an embarrassment for your for your whole camp. But you know, it's
2: it's is where we're at. Honestly, like a steak is. Like you can get a decent fillet steak for what a tenner, seven quid, cook it at home. You know, like, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't like how dramatically you pour the salt
0: on it, it's just a steak. Yeah, but have you ever been fed steak by on a Sabre by Salt Bay in Dubai? No, if the answer no, is no, you've not lived, man, you've not You're lived. Right. <laughs> it seems very unlikely
4: that I will, anyway. That'll do for today. Uh, just quickly, I just wanted to know, like, because everyone in this, um, podcast today is is so fashionable evidently what like what did you think of uh of trent alexander arnold's um get up like the whole sort of like max and paddy sort of uh uh bouncer gear that he's wearing on the on the gucci uh gucci
0: show he's unlikely he's definitely not paid for it he's been paid to wear it so as a consequence i would wear a clown costume i couldn't care less you know more power to him for being given the opportunity to look ridiculous for money
4: I haven't seen it. I need to see it. Oh, it's 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 amazing. Like there's there's loads of like uh, Max and Paddy gags about it, and uh, and and loads of uh, loads of references to Tommy Dick fingers. So yeah, it's it's worth seeing. I I mean I mean I, I, mean, I mean I mean everyone's concentrating on the uh, on the sort of top half, which is like looks looks like every bounce everywhere, but. He's wearing flares, so I wonder where the flares are coming back in. <laughs> yes, he looks just like Paddy McGuinness, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: that's really good. It's a very high, so it's a sort of leather jacket that sort of stops. I would say just a bit too short. It's just like you've bought a medium when you are a large, right? And and what he can't do is put his hands up above his head because then <laughs> it'll ride right up and be like a crop top. Oh, that is really, really <laughs> And he's wearing these, yeah, really enormous trousers. Are, are they flares or are they just massive trousers? I don't, I'm not really sure. Maxim Paddy's a great shout though. It's fantastic Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so good. I, um, um, occasionally I watch, you know, um, the Tottenham players arrive at training and they get asked some stupid question they don't want to be asked and they all walk in and like Hoiberg is always wearing just very sensible clothes and then most of the young players are looking ridiculous but it's almost like Brian Hill is always just dressed as a Zorb like it's just sort of like enormous like just so of rolls in <laughs> it's all peeled out of his clothes uh, anyway that will do for today it was worth bringing up Noz uh, thank you so much Paul no thank you uh, thanks Noz thanks Thank you, Nadam. Pleasure as always. Football Weekly is produced by Joel Grove. Our executive producer is Danielle
0: Stevens. This is The Guardian.